Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Perhaps the most famous passage in Scripture regarding end-time Bible prophecies comes from Jesus' own words in Matthew 24. He predicted lots of things would occur, including such things as wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and much more. Then he warned us that all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. If you've ever gone through that birthing process, you know that when the birth pangs start, They're mild in comparison to how they're going to end. They begin slowly with those mild pains, but then continue to grow in frequency and intensity until the final excruciating pains occur. Fortunately, there's good things that happen after that. And that's the same thing with birth pangs in the process that we have now that we will go through through the tribulation and then see the good things of the return of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus gives us that great word picture of birth pangs so that we can understand that once these final signs begin, they're going to continue to grow in intensity and frequency until Jesus returns. We won't just wake up one day and the world will completely change. It's going to be gradual. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on the actions and activities that have arisen since covid which match up with the direction that we're going in end-time prophecies. I'm Debbie Blank, encouraging you to be alert and be faithful to Jesus as we walk through these birth pangs together. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. As Jesus compared end-time events to birth pains, there's a feature of the natural birth process to note, the pauses between the pains. The birth pains last for a while and then go away for a while. But as each birth pain comes on stronger than the last, the pauses in between also become shorter and shorter. Eventually, the pains are not only extremely intense, but they come one right after the other. Does it seem like Matthew 24 types of events are not only getting stronger, but coming closer together? As each wave hits us, will we have time to get ready for the next? Or should we make sure to be ready now for whatever lies ahead? Yes, amen, we need to be ready. That's why Jesus tells us at the very end of Matthew 24, after he's discussed what it's going to be like in the days preceding his return, he encourages us by telling us to be on the alert, for we don't know when this is going to happen. But we then need to be not only on the alert, but be ready for when Jesus returns. Be prepared. But then finally, he tells us in Matthew 24, 45, we need to be faithful. Our goal needs to be focused on Jesus Christ, because as these end times come, these birth pangs increase, more and more trouble is going to happen. We're going to go through struggles that we're going to talk about today that we will be part of before the major tribulation starts. We'll be out of here before the wrath of God is poured out on this world because God has not destined us for wrath. But that doesn't mean we're not going to experience the beginning of these birth pangs, like famines and pestilence and earthquakes, and things that Jesus predicted were going to happen. That means we need to be prepared, and we need to be faithful. 
In these past few weeks, we've already discussed a lot of things that were going to take place according to biblical prophecy before Jesus returns that have actually escalated during COVID. For example, the one world government that's been talked about for decades, but now it's closer and closer to happening because we have a further advancement of a new world order and control by organizations like the World Health Organization that's controlling people's lives. Our government has controlled our livelihood, our social plans. They've changed the work methods. They've brought about isolation and entitlements. Some people and countries have developed passports, restricting access for just normal citizens. And then we talked about digital currency. It's going to happen. We won't have access to cash anymore. It's not all bad in that we're used to using credit cards, and that's easy to use, but it does have negative consequences because the government will control our finances and our money. And of course, they've controlled our personal health decisions, and they've discouraged religious activities. We talked about all of that over the last couple of weeks, but we're not done yet. Actually, since we've talked about those, a couple of other things have popped up, including monkeypox that we'll talk about today. Again, another quarantine or another medical emergency. But also we've seen the oil and gas problems in Europe cause those people to talk about mandatory speed limits and staying at home so that they don't have to drive to the workforce and also banning use of gasoline or cars on weekends. They're even saying that some people might not be allowed to use their cars at all. So we're looking at things like that in Europe because of their gas problems. But whatever happens there will happen here. All these things are a result of COVID, and in that case, with that gas, it's more of the Ukraine-Russian situation, but it's still in that aftermath of COVID. So today, get ready. We're going to continue this discussion on some things that we need to look at that have gotten worse over COVID. And we wonder, with all those changes that you mentioned, and you're right, they're coming here if we don't stand up to this. But, you know, the reason that people didn't stand up and don't stand up is because they don't know the whole truth. So we've been misled in some areas. So some things are true, some things aren't true. It's been hard to determine between the two what's what. People tell me all the time they don't know what to believe. They don't know what source to believe anymore. And so when you can mislead people to the point where at the very least they're unsure and they can't stand up against you because they're not sure what's going on, you can accomplish all these things that you mentioned already and you can accomplish more. So. Jesus knew in Matthew 24, he said, do not be misled. Don't let anybody mislead you. So that's one of the first things that we're going to talk about, one of the main divisions that we're going to talk about today. What you just said sounds like Nazi Germany. They brought the Jews together in the ghettos, forcing them to congregate and be separated from the other people for their own good and because of the information that they gave them. And then they told them that they were going to get on this train and they were going to go to safety, bring your bags, bring your things. So they use misinformation, which leads us into the very first caution that Jesus gave us in Matthew 24, 4, when he says, see to it that no one misleads you. Now, the context here is talking about misleading people to thinking that they're the Christ or the Messiah. But the idea is, Jesus said four times in this passage, be careful that you're not misled, which means all kinds of fake news would be going on that would cause people not to know what's true or false and to believe things that are false. When you think about it, Jesus is truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me, in John 14, 6. Satan, on the other hand, is the father of lies, according to John 8, 44. So, of course, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to seek truth. We're going to live for truth. We're going to follow truth. But if we don't have Jesus, and most of the world is turning away from Jesus now, they're not going to know truth, so they're going to follow the father of lies. Whether it's intentional or accidental, they're going to be that way. Just consider how our world has changed. According to a Barner survey in 1999, 67% of Americans said there is no such thing as truth. How can we say that if we believe the Bible? We can't because the Bible is truth. A Gallup poll of 2000, 80% of Americans say there's no absolutes. Well, God's pretty clear in his word that there are many absolutes and that we are to follow those. But 80% of Americans don't believe that. And then you have another Barna survey in 2000, which says that even 52% of Christians say there's no absolutes. So there's no way we can understand what truth is when people don't believe in truth in the first place. That's why we need to get back to the truth, get back to the word of God. But because we're not seeing truth out there, that's why our freedom of speech is being attacked. We don't know how to stand up for truth because we don't know what truth is. This freedom of speech has been a problem really for the last several decades as we look back to our media, which has switched from reporting news to giving their own opinion on the news, which means they're giving their political bent on the news or their philosophy. I mean, you and I on this program certainly give our biblical viewpoint on how we understand the world and the Bible. That's what the news media are doing. The difference is, We're not supposed to be reporting news. We are actually teaching the Bible. They're supposed to be just reporting news, and they're not doing that. President Trump is the first one to make that known when he called our media out as giving us fake news. As a matter of fact, we heard one of his chief of staff speak to us at an event one time who told us that the number one success of President Trump was letting us know about fake news. And I thought that was a little lame at the time, but now I understand how important it is. So then COVID brought to the forefront lots of other problems with our news media and with fake news. When we saw doctors and nurses and scientists being chastised and blackballed and fired because they didn't agree with the mantra that was being given by the government and by some supposed experts in the field of medicine. So we've been getting a lot of fake news, a lot of misinformation in the past, but it really became more intense through COVID. I agree, I've watched the news media over the decades change so much. They changed from reporting the news, like you said, to almost even creating the news. In fact, I'll come right out and say it. They have created news out of whole cloth, which is horrific. I can't even imagine how this has happened except that if the government is in control, then the press will serve the government. I used to tell my kids, you know, anytime somebody wanted to take over like a banana republic or something, the first thing they would do is they would go into the radio stations, the television stations, and the newspaper offices and take over. Because once they take over the main communication, then they can control you. So I think what we've seen is influence, bias, and then turning into manipulation. And that's also a tool of the devil. He uses lies in order to manipulate. They want to change your thinking and your behavior. And so they've done it pretty well through the media. 
And it makes me think of how much we value freedom in this country. And the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think the converse is true. When you don't know the truth, we're becoming imprisoned in a way with our thinking and with the things that we are being forced to do. Jackie, you understand this because your personal experience, your background was in media. That's where you started out. So you recognize what has happened and what has changed and how it's supposed to be. So I appreciate your input into that. And as we're talking about freedom of speech, we have to remember this is our First Amendment right in this country to freedom of speech, but it's being taken away from us. And look at who's taking it away. It's the left. It's the progressive movement that has taken it out of the colleges by not allowing speakers. It's taken it out of the social media by blackballing people that they don't agree with or saying that their information is misinformation. It's the left who's taking that freedom of speech away. Now, there's an underlying reason for that, and I believe it's because they're trying to undermine our Constitution so that if we can destroy or change or get rid of our Constitution, which is another reason they're fighting against gun laws, too. If we will do that, then we will be more susceptible to becoming part of this world government that we've been talking about. The world government right now cannot control the United States because we have a Constitution that we follow foremost. But if we get rid of that, they can. It's not just the media that's using fake news. It's important to look at what the politicians are saying. Former President Barack Obama said in a speech at Stanford University on April 21st, which, by the way, the speech was called, disinformation is a threat to our democracy. He called there for the regulation of free speech. Who are you going to regulate it by? Who's going to make those decisions? He said Americans have lost their capacity to distinguish between fact, opinion, and wholesale fiction. That's because we've lost our capacity for truth, like we said earlier. Here's an important thing he said. President Obama said it is a chance for all of us to fight for truth. No absolute truth, not a fixed truth, but to fight for what deep down we know is more truth is right. And I I read that and I thought, hmm, we're not to fight for truth, not absolute truth. In other words, we're not to fight for the Bible, which is absolute truth and not even a fixed truth. So the truth that our country was founded on, the facts and the morality and the ideas that we were founded on, that truth, that tradition, we're not to do that. But in other words, we're to fight for what is more true, more true than what? things that are less true and according to whose opinion. That was a really scary statement, I thought, when the former president makes that comment. But he's not the only one. Hillary Clinton also commented online that more needs to be done to regulate information in order for governments to fight alleged disinformation. I find that really interesting in light of the lawsuits that are going on right now against Hillary Clinton and her campaign and her lawyers who are accused of giving all kinds of disinformation against President Trump and when she ran for president. So there's a double standard here, as always, which is the information that I want you to have is what I want you to have, not what is true, not what is more or less true, but what works within my agenda, which then leads us to this new disinformation governance board. That one blew me away because just in the last six months, I've read George Orwell's 1984 book where we learn all about the Ministry of Truth. 
which determines what people can hear, and they determine what truth is. No, they're not determining truth. They just determine what they want the people to believe is truth. So this disinformation governance board that the Homeland Security Secretary has just recently said that they have initiated and established, it's designed, according to the White House, to crack down on what it considers to be online disinformation. Well, they got so much flack about this that the hired executive director, Nina Jankowitz, ended up resigning within a week after she was appointed. And they paused, they being the government, paused this disinformation governance board. Well, I thought, good for them. They listened to the public. They listened to the politicians and realized that the public doesn't go along with this. But then I read just right after that, they paused it so they could put two new people in as the leaders of it, give this glowing definition of what their purpose is. And that purpose is to determine how the board can monitor disinformation while protecting free speech, civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy, and how it can increase transparency with the public. Now that really sounds good, but the name says it all a disinformation governance board. Who's going to censor it or say that it's accurate? Political leaders, because it's under the authority of the Homeland Security Secretary, who is under the authority of the current president. It really is set up to be like 1984, if that's what someone wants to make it. People right away did have a reaction. And I thought it was interesting, the timing of this disinformation board was right after Elon Musk made his bid to buy Twitter. As soon as that happened, the left went crazy. And all of a sudden, it was very, very important to control things like Twitter. So they just decided that they needed to have a government organization take over what Twitter had been doing for them all along. But with Elon Musk coming in saying he was a free speech absolutist, they flipped out and they needed to have the government do what they'd been doing through Twitter all along. It's really interesting what power our government has right now. We elected them, they appointed their people, and they're leading us in the direction that is exactly what the Bible said would happen in these last days, which is misinformation. And you have to understand that if there's no free and open public square to express your opinion, that's one-on-one of warfare. And in this case, it's propaganda war. That's what we're seeing in the country right now, and that's what's going to continue. What happens with this propaganda war? It divides people because it's not just one opinion versus another. There's only one opinion. So those people who have a different opinion, who don't agree, they're made to be the bad guys. So remember, it's important to know the truth because Jesus said we're going to be misled. Even the elect could be misled if we don't know the truth. And the only absolute truth there is, is the Bible that this country was founded on and which we must follow or we're going to be led to believe things that are false. Well, then in Matthew 24, 7, Jesus goes on to say, in various places, there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes. So he's warning us there what's going to happen. We certainly know the pestilence has come through COVID. That's the worst that we've had in the way of a medical emergency for a hundred years. And it was the most devastating event we've ever experienced besides wars. But it's not just that. Now they're talking about this monkeypox pandemic. What's concerning about that to me is that it's preventable. The COVID isn't. You just breathe on someone or you're with someone and they can get COVID. But 
monkeypox is contracted through primarily sexual contact and primarily through homosexual contact. So it can be prevented by not having that contact within 21 days. But they're coming out and making it sound like this is going to be another pandemic of epic proportions. And we need to have a vaccine and we need to fight against it. And we need to even quarantine. Belgium is calling for a 21-day quarantine against people with this particular disease. We need to watch out. It's not just these pandemics, it's future ones. As we've talked about recently with the World Health Organization and their control over pandemics and what they're going to require us to do. Debbie, when we were talking about monkeypox, I just thought it was really interesting that just a few months before COVID-19 happened, there was a group that did a rehearsal for what to do on a worldwide basis if you had a pandemic, say, COVID-19, and then Guess what? We actually had a pandemic of COVID-19 a few months later. Interesting to note that with monkeypox, they did the same thing. Now, all of a sudden, we have monkeypox. Boy, they're really good guessers at this kind of thing. They really, really know how to predict these things. In fact, they even said it was going to start on May 15th in their scenario, their made-up scenario, and I think it was May 13th. It was something very, very close. Something else about monkeypox, it's just horrific looking. That makes it pretty influential. People are really scared when they see these horrible looking things. But it's really not that contagious. In fact, it doesn't even have to be sexual activity, but it does have to be touching, like skin on skin. And so it's not aerosolized. It's not like six feet away or less, you're going to breathe on somebody and you're going to get it. So they don't think it's going to be as big a deal, but they're sure using it. They're pumping it like to scare people. So when it comes to pestilence, we've already seen that and we're going to continue to. But then it's not just the pestilence. What about famines? I want to tell you, that is the biggest concern right now. We in the United States, and certainly in modern times, have never experienced famine. We might have a few things that aren't on the shelves for different reasons. But now we're not only looking at things missing from the shelves. We're looking at not having enough meat, enough chickens, as well as other products. And they say it's because of the supply chain because of COVID. Well, that certainly has a great impact on it. Then you have workers who are not going back to work after COVID to work in the factories to produce the items we need. And then you have the war in Russia and Ukraine that we'll talk about next week that is stifling the input of grain in this country and around the world. When you talk about grain and farmers and fertilizer and all of that, farmers also have to run their tractors and their equipment, and they run it on diesel fuel. So do truckers and trains um, use diesel fuel, and diesel fuel has gone up even more than what we're seeing at the gas pumps for ourselves. And without being able to fuel those basic things, that also contributes to food shortages or what some are even calling a food crisis. Well, the United Nations World Food Program says that right now there's 276 million people worldwide facing acute hunger. And that was just a few months ago. But the number is expected to rise by 47 more million people because the Ukrainian ports aren't open. And Ukraine and Russia combined provide 30% of the wheat products to the world. On April 27th, CEO of Goya Foods warned that we're in the precipice of a global food crisis. We're going to have to tighten our belts and consume less. In April, the Rockefeller Foundation said we have about six months until a massive immediate food crisis. Other people have said 
It's as little as 10 weeks. So folks, things are going to change. Make sure you are prepared. Jesus said famines are going to occur. They've occurred ever since he said that. That's part of this world. There is famine. But now we're going to look at famine in the major countries of the world, the Western powers, not just third world nations. Look at a few weeks ago when our president had to go to Europe to get baby formula for our kids because we didn't have any. The plants were shut down because of various reasons that were post-COVID reasons. And then you need to consider something really strange. Eight food plant disasters happened in 2017, and that's pretty normal. Seven, eight, nine, those things happen, accidents, explosions, whatever. In the first four months of 2020, 17 disasters happened at our food plants. Also consider that if we don't have grain, we can't feed our cattle. And if we don't feed our cattle, we don't have meat. As we're talking about famines, it's not just the loss of food in the Ukraine or the burning down of some of our plants. It's really delayed farmer planting because of blizzards and tornadoes and cold weather and drought that we've had also. It's fertilizer prices increasing, as you were saying, and gas prices increasing. Also, the western part of our United States is in the worst drought that we've had in centuries. A study published in February found that the period from 2000 to 2021 was the driest in the region in 1,200 years. I also mentioned the lack of animals, the bird flu, the avian flu, 35.52 million poultry deaths were reported as of April 9th, and that only started in February. I don't know what the numbers are now. Fortunately, I learned that it only takes about six to eight weeks to repopulate the bird supply, but still, we eat a lot of chickens and a lot of beef in our country. You have to understand, too, that we've had wildfires that have burned over a million acres in the United States just since the beginning of this year. That's above a 10-year average. So we have lots of natural disasters, too, that are playing into famine. If you study famine throughout the centuries, famine tends to come from war and from natural disasters. What are we seeing? A war in Ukraine that isn't just any war, but it's a war that impacts our gas, our oil, and our food supply. And then you see all these natural disasters. It's not surprising that President Biden predicted in March during a NATO meeting that a global food shortage would occur this year. That's exactly what we're seeing. So we're looking at a huge famine, worldwide famine, that is coming as a result of COVID, certainly also the war, But Jesus said it was going to get worse in these last days. It's the beginning of birth pangs. Folks, we are so close to these birth pangs happening and walking through them and seeing them happening closer and closer that we know that the rapture is right on the horizon and the tribulation starting shortly after that. Now, we tell you these prophecies not to scare you, but to prepare you, because that's what prophecies are for. God wants us to be prepared so that we are alert, so that we are ready, and so that we are faithful. Will you turn to God right now? Submit yourself to him. Ask him for his wisdom in how you live for him and how you prepare for these last days. Because we are going to go through some tough times before Jesus chooses to take us out of here in his timing.
we're used to having things our way in our time, any way we want them. And that's not going to be the way things are in the future. If we don't change our mindset, we will not be ready. Focus on Jesus and what he has in store for us, not our personal wants and desires. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.